This episode is brought to you by those two little kids that I saw playing basketball yesterday. They were playing with a regulation hoop that got lowered. Because why would you want to make their lives any harder? Why would you want to teach them that they have to strive for what they want? No, 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 no. We don't want to do that. Lower the hoop. Lower their expectations in life. And we'll be fine as a society. Ugh. Let's start the show. How you doing? It's your boy Uncle Doug, and welcome to the Oxenities Podcast. Yeah. So this is episode nine, and episode nine. Wow, this is this is coming along pretty quick. Next week is gonna be episode ten. Gotta do something for episode ten. I don't know what yet, but I'm gonna do something pretty big. But before that, this episode is gonna be devoted to. Me telling you guys a story about how I got robbed twice, two separate times. It's 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 a weird moment in my life. And to be honest, it's pretty hilarious. I don't know how I keep ending up in these situations where like just wild and confusingly weird stuff happens to me. I I don't know, but whatever. I'm gonna let you guys uh, know the full story in just a moment. Okay, I'll be right back. It's basically saying, look, these are the problems here. You know, and here we are 10 years or plus later, the problems are still, still there and the intensity of the music has built to the no hope, the I don't give a yeah. attitude. Uh, how did we get from, from Grandmaster Flash, the message, to where we are now in, in hip hop? Um, again, you have to be logical. You know, if, if I know that in this hotel room they have food every day and I'm knocking on the door every day to eat and they tell and they open the door, let me see the, the party, let me see like them throwing salami all over the, I mean just like throwing food around where they're telling me there's no food in here. You know what I'm saying? Every day I'm standing outside trying to sing my way in. You know what I'm saying? We are hungry, please let us in. We are hungry, please let us in. After about a week, that song is going to change the, we hungry, we need some food. After two, three weeks, it's like, you know, give me all the food, we're breaking out the door. And after a year, and you just like, you know what I'm saying? I'm picking the lock, coming through the door, blasting, you know what I'm saying? It's like you hungry, you reached your level, you don't want any more. We asked 10 years ago. We was asking with the Panthers. We was asking with them, you know, the civil rights movement. We was asking, you know, now, that those people that were asking, they're all dead and in jail. So now what do you think we're going to do? Okay, guys, welcome back. So, yeah, I want to tell you guys about a story of when I got robbed. It wasn't a recent robbery. It was back when I was in the seventh grade and in the eighth grade, I got robbed both times. Like, my bad luck. <laughs> I'm not saying that I can't get robbed now because nobody's immune, you know, good amount of planning, I guess, right amount of fear to incite on the person, all of that shit. But now nah, with me, I got, okay, let me paint the scene for you. 
So after one day after school, seventh grade, I'm leaving school. And normally we would take like a bus from the high school into into town. So I went to Herbert Morrison Technical High School. It's in Montego Bay and it's out by um, the Bogue Highway. All of this stuff probably means nothing to you, but you know, if you're ever in Jamaica and in Montego Bay, look it up. It's a pretty awesome school. Actually, no, it's a shit show. Eh, no, it really is pretty good <laughs> compared to the rest of them. But yeah, so I should have taken the bus like normal, like every day. But for whatever reason, this time I decided, you know what? I'm going to walk. So I walked and I was going to walk from school into town. And the way how we used to do that, we used to like walk up and cut through this community called Catherine Hall. And that would drop us down to the uh, to the market that's downtown that's connected. Well, that's close to the bus park. And then I could walk down into the town of Montego Bay. So that was the plan. And everything was going good until I got pulled into this little patch that's right around the back end of the high school. <laughs> it's pretty wild because the people that pulled me in there were these three guys. One of them was younger than me. One of them was about my age. And the other one was older than me. I don't want to say significantly older than me. Back then, I think I was 12. Was I 12? Was I 13? No, I was 12. I was 12. So the older kid looked like 16. And they were wearing like some dirty ass, tattered ass clothes. And one of them had a knife, like a, like a, like a cooking knife. But that shit was rusty as fuck. So I was like, oh, shit. If I get cut with that, I'm finna die. <laughs> so, okay. So I leave school. I'm walking along, having a jolly old time, enjoying myself. And right as soon as I passed the high school, there's like some woodsy area right there, like a bunch of trees. I see these three figures emerge and then grab me and like pull me in and they pull me in. They're like, okay, I could tell that they were amateurs. I could tell that they had no idea what they were doing because the first question they asked me was, Hey, you got any money? <laughs> so I said, no, <laughs> they were like, okay, well, what, what else you got? What else you got? <laughs> so I used to wear this like watch. It looked fancy, but it didn't work. The battery didn't work. Well, it didn't have any batteries. And I think the gears, like one of the gears inside the battery was busted, but it looked like it was expensive. And I guess in the process of, you know, young teenage-ish brain thoughts i thought you know if i wear this people think i'm cool and think i got money and then they'll want to be my friends and that's how i'll make friends because i was born in the parish of manchester 
And I lived there for 12 years until I moved to Montego Bay. And when I got there, like I went straight to school. So, well, maybe after about a month, I went straight into school. So I knew nobody there. So I was like in the process of trying to make friends. So I thought in my 12-year-old wisdom that the watch is my way in. <laughs> so I'm there and I'm like doing my thing and all of this and blah, blah, blah. And later, 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 I get robbed. So they see the watch and they're like, yo, this nigga got money. Yo, yo, give me your watch. Give me your watch. Give me your watch. And the whole time, dude is holding the knife, like, to my chest. Like, about, like, a little bit away from my chest. But he's holding it right there. And he's like, yo, if you, if you, if you scream or if you do nothing, I'm going to cut you. So, I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. I, I take off the watch. And I was, I was surprisingly very calm for this whole ordeal. I guess in my mind, I saw that they were amateur, so it didn't really scare me. So I was like, yeah, here. So I gave them the watch, they grabbed the watch, and then they like turned around and like looked around to see if there was anybody near or if there's like any trouble or whatever, and then they just took off. Because I had a wallet, but I was told when I moved from Manchester and went to Montego Bay, I was told by one of my cousins that I shouldn't keep money in my wallet. And I had like one of them Velcro, like Power Ranger slash Ninja Turtle wallets. I know it was, it was I was 12. Fuck, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna defend myself. I was 12. And he asked me for like if I had any money and I'm like no and then he's like you got a wallet and I'm like yeah and then I opened the wallet but there was no money in it because I kept all my money in my socks my cousin told me don't keep money in your wallet he's been living here since birth fuck it I'm gonna go by him so I kept all my money in my socks so I still had my money and they had a watch that didn't work and they ran off and disappeared into the ether and after that happened, I kept on walking. Yep. And that was it. I never really told anybody about that. I don't think I even told my parents. Because did I find the watch? I think I found that watch. I don't think anybody gave it to me, so there's no reason why anybody would miss it. But yeah, I left, I went home, and that was it. Skipped along my path, tra-la-la, and all was well. Now, that was the moment that I got robbed for the first time in my life. And after my first robbery, I never felt scared. Like, I really didn't feel like scared of anything or anyone or whatever. It was like, that's all that happens? All I have to do is just lie next time? Okay, cool. And I'm good. So... Oh, boy. The second time that I got robbed, and the last time so far, knock on wood, the next time that I got robbed was in the eighth grade. And this was a little bit more serious. This shit was scary as fuck. At least for my 
eighth grade developed brain, this shit was terrifying for me. So there's a store in um, Jamaica called Quartz. All the real yardy them will know what me I talk about. Quartz. It's like, how can I explain it? It's like Walmart for Jamaica. Yeah. No. Maybe? No. It's like Best Buy in Jamaica. There you go. Because they do a lot of appliances, a lot of like refrigerator stuff, TV, all of that stuff. Quartz. Yeah. Quartz. Mega Mart would be like Walmart. No, actually, Mega Mart would have been more like Costco. Or Mega Mart. Okay, I'm getting, I'm getting off track. So there's a store called Quartz in Jamaica. It's all over. And the one that I went to is the one on, it's at the corner of Barnett Street and Creek Street. And I'm calling you motherfuckers out. Because uno see me get robbed and uno no do nothing about it. Adults were present and I got robbed in the eighth grade. Eighth grader got robbed in the store and didn't do shit. Let me explain how this shit happened. I wanted a cell phone, right? That's what I wanted. Wanted a cell phone. And I had saved my money. I've been saving for a while. I'm in the eighth grade now. I think this was my second term in the eighth grade. Or I was coming up to the second term. Either way, I'd been saving my money from like the beginning of the first term. I was saving like my lunch money. I was saving like any extra money that I got from my parents. Anything at all, I had saved it. I'd bottled it up. I had it. I was ready. So in, how much money was it? It was $3,500, right? $3,500. And at that point, the U.S. dollar was 60 to 1, I think. Was it 60 to 1? So that's like, like 59, I think. 59 US dollars something like that either way I was gonna go get me that goddamn phone and I walked in the courts and I walked up to the counter where they sold the cell phones and I saw this lady and I'm like excuse me miss in my very eloquent very nice accent I was like excuse me miss I would like to buy a cell phone. And she said to me, oh, yes, honey, no problem. Give me one minute. I'm helping this young man, and I'll be right with you. And I said, thank you. And then I stepped to the side and kind of wandered around the store. Just just wandered off like a, like a fluttering butterfly. Just, just meandered my way all over the place. And I looked at washing machines. I looked at refrigerators. I looked at, I looked at toaster ovens. Mm, oh yeah, I looked at all of that. And then I felt a cool breeze wasp by the back of my neck. 
And I felt something that I've never felt before. True fear. This, this moment right here has stayed with me to this day. Because if I ever go back to Jamaica, well, not if, when I go back to Jamaica and when I go back to Montego Bay and when I see the nigga that I saw that day, Let me not say what I'm going to do in a recording and put myself in some issues. But I feel like y'all understand where I'm coming from. So I'm there, meandering, looking at stuff, running around like an idiot. And I felt this presence behind me. And when I turned around, I want you to picture the face. Tall, about six feet tall, skinny dude. With uh, short-ish dreads, do-rag tied around his neck. He had a scar, a telephone scar, as we call it back home. Now, a telephone is when somebody get cut from the corner of their mouth, from like the side of their mouth, all the way up to their ear. Telephone. Mm, that's a cut. <laughs> and he had that. And he had... Like cuts and like scars on his face too. And he he said to me, Hey, uh little youth, what are you doing in here? And I was like, I was listen, no bullshit. I was terrified. I was fucking terrified. I was so fucking terrified. Oh my god. I didn't piss my pants or shit myself, but I was on the cusp of doing that because this nigga was the most terrifying nigga I've ever seen in my life. And most of my life, I was sheltered. I had, I was loved and sheltered and like kept away from all that gangster shit. It wasn't until after this happened, that's when I became the monster and animal that I am now. But yeah. But yeah, so... This dude was, was terrifying, fucking terrifying. And he was like, what are you doing in here? I'm like, um, sir, I'm here to buy, um, a cell phone. And he looked at me, he's like, uh, how much money you have? I was like, um, I, I have 30, I have, um, 3,500. And he's like, oh, you're buying a cell phone. I mean, me can't get the cell phone feel. I have a, somebody that's selling a cell phone right now. I can go get it for you. And I was like, no, um, it's okay. Um, I, I'm going to buy it here. And then this dude got even more terrified. This nigga got menacing as fuck. He leaned into me and he's like, all right, listen, I just got out of prison. You see this? <laughs> now that I'm reliving this moment, it seems so stupid to me. <laughs> this dude did practically nothing but like scared a 13 year old kid that has lived this sheltered life and I don't know, he probably... <laughs>
I was so fucking scared. <laughs> I was so scared. Oh my God, it was so terrifying. This nigga pulled out a knife, yo. This nigga pulled out a ratchet knife. And uh, back home, the, 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 the ratchet, it's a big deal to Jamaicans. Look it up. Look it up. Google it. Do your Googles. And <laughs> this nigga pulled out the knife and he was like, yo, I just got back from prison. And yo, you see, they cut me. That's why I got my knife. I'm walking around with my knife. And trust me, your money is going to be safe. If you give me your money, I'm going to go. I'm going to get the phone for you. And I'm going to come back with the phone. And I'm going to meet you right here. So don't move, okay? Oh, I was so fucking scared. I was so fucking scared. The whole time, I was just terrified. I was terrified of this dude. This dude looked like a menace. He looked like a criminal. He looked like he done killed some people. And I didn't want to be killed. And I thought back to when the two, the three kids robbed me earlier, like previously um, in seventh grade. And when I think back to them compared to him, night and day. If it was them that walked up to me in the store, I'd be like, <laughs> no, I ain't got no money. So how are you going to buy the phone? Uh, I'm going to take it out on credit. Don't worry about it. And then walked away. But this nigga, this nigga had me shaking in my boots. I was like, fuck, yo. So <sighs> begrudgingly. I reached into my pocket, I pulled it out, and I gave him the money. And I got to be honest, folks. When I handed him the money, I felt because he smiled at me. And when he smiled, he had like gold teeth, like a few teeth had like some gold on it. I remember it so vividly like it was yesterday. That's why I like, if I see this, oh, if I see this nigga. <clears throat> <laughs> he he had like gold teeth and like when he smiled it was like it was like the smile from like somebody smiling at you like yeah I got you <laughs> one of those smiles you know like a menacing smile like no good intentions are involved with the smile and that's what I got and dude he's like alright just stay right here I'm going to be right back. And he walked out the store and I saw him run across the street. The moment he got across the street was the moment that I thought to myself, I'm never going to see this motherfucker again, ever. I'm never going to see him again. Because when he walked out, when he smiled at me first, I felt kind of at ease because he wasn't smiling the whole time. When he smiled, you know, the first time I saw, like, his smile, like, it was like, uh, I'm not comfortable, but I'm a little bit more comfortable. And then I saw him walk off. And when he walked off, he walked off and he was, like, looking around and, like, checking the surroundings and this and that. Then he walked out. And the moment he got across the street was a moment I'm like, yeah, I'm never seeing this motherfucker again. I'm never seeing him again. I'm fucked. What am I going to do now? All my money has gone. So I did the only responsible thing that I could do. 
I ran to my dad and I cried like a bitch. <laughs> my dad was at work and I ran. I, I, I came out the store and I turned the corner. After I turned the corner, I looked to see if he, like, he saw me because in my mind, like, ooh, he going to come and get me. He going to come after me and he going to like stab me with the knife because he told me to wait in the store and I'm not doing what he said. So fuck it. I'm out. So I ran to my dad. I ran to his job. And when I got to his job, I was crying. I was like, dad, they robbed me. They robbed me. And he's like, what? Who robbed you? Where were they at? Where are you at? What happened? I'm like, okay, dad, calm, calm down. <laughs> relax because i've never seen my dad like so like hype if you ever meet my dad he's the oh he's the sweetest guy he smiles like ridiculously smiling all the time he uh he's so so sweet and loving and nice and the second i told him i got robbed it was like commando mode switched on he's like i'm gonna fuck somebody up today where was it when did it happen where is he? What happened? So I gave him the whole story. And after I gave him the whole story, we drove down to courts. And my dad was in there like, this is where it happened. I'm like, yeah, it happened in here. He's like, what? Well, where is he? Where did he run to? And I'm like, oh, he ran across the street. And then he get went across the street. And I don't know where he went after that. He's like, he was, uh, he was so... I strive to be that kind of father when I eventually have kids because I don't want, I, listen, ain't no, I'm getting all like, like mad just thinking about it. Like thinking about my future child getting hurt by somebody and what I would do to them if that were to happen. Fuck. I'd kill somebody. I'd go to prison. I would for my kids. Hell yeah. You finna get got easy, quick, fast. <sighs> Let me relax. Let me relax. Okay. So after this, dad took me and when he went, okay. So he took me to the police station. Now, if I gotta be honest, I really don't think that he took me to the police station thinking that something was going to happen. Like, thinking they were going to, like, investigate the guy that robbed me in courts. I think he did it for me and for my peace of mind because he couldn't physically put hands on the person. So he did this to, like, kind of make me feel safe and secure with the fact that, oh, the cops are going to find him and they're going to get my money back and everything's going to be okay. So, shout out to my dad for that. Really, I really respect that. I appreciate that. So we go to the police station and I sit there and he, he got me to speak with, I think the, not the constable, but somebody above him. I don't remember, but he got me there and we were in his office and I wrote a statement and he took, um, um, he took a report and he filed it and everything. And then he handed it off to one of his detectives and I felt so like so like overwhelmingly at ease after this after that moment which is why I said like I feel like my dad just did that for me 
you know, just to make me feel better. And then we we left and we uh we went home. Dad got me KFC that night. And yeah. That was that was it. That was that was my day and I got to be honest, if now with that situation happening, now I know. Like I know. It's going to be really damn hard for you to rob me. Like it's I'm going to make you work for that shit. You probably might have to kill me. But yeah. And also, courts. What the fuck? What did it there when me did I get robbed? The woman, right? The woman that told me, "Okay, honey, I'll be right with you." This bitch stood there and saw me like I saw her see me talking to this dude because the whole time he was talking, I kept like glancing at her like, "Bitch, help." I don't know him. Stranger danger. You know what I mean? I, the whole time I was like, yo, I need help. Where you at? Didn't do a goddamn thing. They had a fucking security guard in there and the security guard didn't do a fucking thing. The security guard saw me too. See, I looked at all of these people, made eye contact, did some shit, looked over. Yo, hey. Help me, help me, please. I'm getting robbed. I'm fucked up. I fucked up. Help me, save me, protect me. Nothing. Adults were fucking nowhere. So you know what I say? If you see something, say something. All it would have taken was somebody to walk over and say, uh, young man, you all right? And I'd have been like, no, the fuck I ain't. And this nigga would have probably got scared off and ran off by it. You know? It, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of a mongoose. He looked just like a mongoose. Like a fucking ferret. Skinny as fuck. Looking mischievous as fuck. Ooh, I can't. Ooh, if I see this nigga. Ooh. But yeah. I got robbed. <laughs> The first time I got my busted watch stolen. And the second time I got $3,500 stolen, which was equivalently of 59 US dollars. So, yeah, that happened. That happened. And I guess I I can't really think of like uh a moral of the story or what i learned and what made me feel better about the whole thing I, I i really can't think of anything that i i learned from this whole ordeal hmm i don't know i feel like i learned well for one i learned that my dad loves the fuck out of me and both me and my sister, just his children in general. I learned the extent of what my father would go through to defend me and, you know, what he would do to make me feel better. And it it, it was a good example for me. Like, I feel like now 
if I were to have kids, I would do whatever it takes. I would go above and beyond for them to protect them and to make them feel good, you know? So I appreciate my dad for that. That shit, that, 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 that shit really like, it really helped. Yeah. And that's all I got to say. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into episode number nine. I hope you guys were entertained and you took something away from this. For me, now that I really think about it, the big takeaway from this is talk to your kids. Like, don't just tell them, hey, don't talk to strangers. Remind them on a regular basis, don't talk to strangers. Because I know for a fact that my parents told me this. I know this. But in the moment, with a nigga standing in front of me, I was fucking scared. So I, I don't, I didn't know what to do. Like, reinforce the lesson that you're trying to tell them. And I feel like everything will be okay. Yeah. If you like the show, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the name Oxenities. And if you like me or don't, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, Reddit, anywhere that the internet has a presence. So, yeah, do that. And tune in to next week's episode, episode number 10. I don't know how lit it's going to be yet, but I know it is. So, come back. Bye. Bye.